0: Amen. Everyone can go ahead and have a seat this morning. I, I got to say thank you, worship team, for that this morning. Wasn't it beautiful? We are going to see how jealous God is for us. We, we, we sang about it just a minute ago. We're going to see in our scripture today how jealous God is of us um, and for us more like it. He's jealous for us. Um, here at Church Project, we've been going through Luke We've been going through it for about a year and a half right now. We're not going fast. We're going slow through Luke. In fact, we're going to end chapter 15 this week. And so if you have a Bible, open it up to Luke chapter 15. We're going to look at verses 11 through 32. And I think this is really fitting. It's kind of funny how when we have decided that we're going to go through the book of Luke, how God just lines things up perfectly in our lives. Today is Father's Day. Today we are looking at a passage. Where a father is so in love with both of his sons, I don't know what Father's Day means to you. Uh, maybe it's a day that you're just you're celebrating, and I know some of you are celebrating in big ways. Maybe it's a day where some some of uh, uh, some of us are. It's a, a bad day for us. It's, it's things that we can't describe because our father wasn't there, or isn't the man that we would like him to be, or he isn't an example, or he isn't in our life, or some of us, uh, maybe, you know, we're not able to become fathers, and so today is just a day that is not full of joy. Well, I got to tell you this, as a man in this place today, this passage, if you look at it as Jesus, as our father, will bring tears to your eyes. There's no earthly father in the world that can line up to the beauty and the love we're about to see that Jesus is displaying for us. And by the way, this just isn't for men, it's for men and women. But before we get into into this passage right here, I I just want to ask you something. Are you ready to hear the word today? Are you ready for it to transform your life? Are you ready to receive this? I'm going to read Luke chapter 15, 11 through 32. Follow along if you would. If you need a Bible, they're over on the left or in the back. You can raise your hand if you want one. Um, so let's, let's go through this. But before, let's take care of a housekeeping issue. Carl, can you turn down the air condition? I see a lot of people rubbing their arms right now. <laughs> I think we've got some cold people in here. Or turn it up, whichever it's called. Thank you, Jeremy. Uh, Luke, chapter 15, verses 11 through 32. Uh, Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, forgive me. Or, or, father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the, young, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. Verse 14. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him, what was going on? Your brother has come back, he replied. And your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. Verse 28. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you have never given me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him? My my son, the father said, You are always with me, and everything I have is yours but we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and then is alive again. He was lost, now is found. God, I pray that this scripture comes alive to each and every one of us. I pray that your Holy Spirit makes it personal to us. I pray that we leave knowing how much you love us. It's in your name we pray, amen. As we look at this, I don't, Go very far into this text before I have to hit pause and I have to think on this. In fact, we can go to the very first verse there in in verse 11. Jesus continued and said, there was a man who had two sons. Well, this is the third parable in this chapter. And if you remember last week, we looked at the first two chapters. One, it was a rich man and he lost one sheep and he went to find it. He searched for that lost thing and celebrated when he found it. And another, uh, the, the parable right before this was a lady who didn't have anything and she lost her coin and she, she, she searched her house until she found it. And then she celebrated when she found this coin. And so we see two people before that had lost something and they celebrated when they found it. And here we get to verse 11 and we see on this father's day that this father had, a, had two sons. I don't know um, about you, but when I look at this, it's possible that these two sons had two distinct personalities. Would you agree? I have Zoe and I have Audra. And I think as a parent, good parents work with um, work within the child's makeup to foster growth and to encourage that, uh, that child. And so here's, here's an example. We knew that Zoe and Audra were completely different at a young age, the personalities, the way that they were made up. And and it wasn't as clear uh, to me as um, the day that we went to an arcade. And we like to tell this story. We went to an arcade. And here we have Zoe going and opening up where all that change comes out, you know, on each one of those machines. And she's like digging to see if she can find coins. Well, she was finding coins because we had Audra, uh, we observed, was two or three machines before her open up coins and putting in quarters in there because Zoe wanted to get the quarters and Audra just loved giving away the quarters. You know, it's just two different personalities. And here we are, each and every one of us, we're we're unique. God has crafted us with our own personalities. And so as we look at this passage, we have a father and he's trying to move within the personalities of his two sons. Why? To show them, his love. It's not going to be the same for you as it is for me. Some of us are going to go and put quarters in the machine, and others are going to come back behind it and try to get those quarters and save and do whatever. Like we have different personalities. This is why, church, this is why, ecclesia, we need to stop comparing ourselves to others. This is why. We need to move in who God has created us to be. Each and every one of us have spiritual giftings and makeup that's beautiful. God has handcrafted us. So I want to do this. If we don't know who we are today, the rest of this passage is meaningless. And if we don't know who we are in Christ, the rest of this passage is meaningless. So we've already spent some time meditating on who God is. I want to I spend a little more time meditating on who God is and how much he loves us, how much he's handcrafted us today. My friend, uh, Joel Limpick, is in a, at a church, a great church in Denver called Park Church. If you're ever down that area area and you want to go and visit a, a church, it's a great place to go, Park Church. But he started something called the Versus Project. And if you've been on our Facebook here in the last couple of days, uh, maybe you've, you've, get, you've seen this. But this is what the Versus Project is. Joel has gotten together a bunch of talented musicians and talented artists. And right now, that once a week, they're, they're trying to memorize and giving us a platform to re- memorize Psalms 139. And so they take passages, they put them to song, they put art to it. And today, I want us to go through a little bit of this. And I want us to meditate on who God is and who he's created us to be. And so if you would, Zoe, if you would put the artwork up for um, Psalms 139 verses 15 through 16. And I'm gonna read this. And Zoe, if you would also play the, the music because this is word for word, the scripture. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in the secret. intricately. Woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, my the days that were formed for me, when for as me. they were none of them. Just meditate on who God is and who you are in Him in this place. Made, see, you.
1: intricately you woven. On my own form substance, my frame was not. your book everyone there days that will fall that were far from me yet yeah, there were none of them.
0: Mm-hmm. Isn't that beautiful? Amen. Amen for scripture. Amen for how much God loves us. Uh, some of us, uh, this may be a good way to shake up our quiet times this week. Just go and meditate on scripture and, and start memorizing it. Start putting it in your heart because it's beautiful. It's transforming. There is truth and there is life. So church, let's run after truth and life. But this passage is pointless unless we find our identity in who Christ is and who he is in our lives. Well, this parable is Jesus talking, and obviously Jesus is the father. And I want to look at the three characters that are here, the two sons and the father. Let's look at the younger brother first. But we, we look through verses 12 through 20. You, you see the passage of the younger brother. And I wonder, as, as the brother came to the father, the younger brother, and said, Father, I, I, I want my inheritance. I want to go out and I want to live crazy. I wonder if the father was sitting there thinking, hey, can we just sit down and talk about this? Because I've got a great plan for you. Like, it's, it's incredible. My time, the way I want to do it, is going to be such a blessing in your life. What, what lies ahead of you when you're about to run ahead and get this inheritance is going to hurt you. And it's going to be bad. So I wonder if the father's sitting there just torn, just saying, Son, I'll honor you and I'll do this. But man, can you just wait? Because I have plans for you. And it's going to be awesome. As my son, I'm going to give you everything I have. Can you just wait though? And so I wonder as the younger son came to the father, what the father was thinking. What the father was going through. Yet the son, the younger son says, I I want what I want and I want it now. And I don't care who it hurts. I don't care how long it goes, what it looks like. I want that inheritance because I'm going to go party. How many of us say that to God? How many of us say that in life in general? I want what I want and I want it now. This is basically the essence of sin. We see it in the Garden of Eden. I want it, and I want it now. Then we go four chapters into the book of the Bible, and we realize this is going to be a repetitive thing, don't we? We see Cain, and what's Cain saying? God comes to him and says, hey, watch out, Cain, because sin is crouching at your door in Genesis 4-7. Beware, sin is going to take you out. And then we see Cain, what does he do later? Kills his brother. Sin was crouching at his door. I want what I want. And I want it now. I don't care who it hurts. I don't care what it looks like. And this younger son goes to the father and says, I don't care what kind of bad name I bring to this family. I don't care what kind of dishonor I bring to this family. I want my inheritance because I deserve it. Can anyone relate to the younger brother? The younger son in here? I think one of the things that really scares me about this, this passage is that I found myself in this, this part of life quite often, and I try not to. What do we see this younger son doing? He's pulling away. He's pulling away from everyone that loves him and everyone that's going to keep him accountable. He says, I'm old enough. I'm wise enough. I have all the money in the world. I'm going to go live life on my own separate from everyone that loves me and knows me and can keep me accountable We see it in the news all the time. We see pastors, especially because media likes to to harp on pastors who, once again, this pastor had this affair. Once again, this person did this. Once again, there was a moral failure. Once again, and why? It's because that that person, that man, that woman had pulled away from people that were going to keep them accountable. Church, I'll just be point blank with you. If you are part of Church Project and you are not involved in a house church, I am scared for you. You need to be in relationships and locking eyes with people that can love you, that can speak into you, that can keep you accountable. We see very clearly in this passage what happens to the younger son when he pulls away from accountability. Are you involved in a, in a house church here? I hope so. Look where sin took this young Jewish boy, I might add. Look Look where sin took this Jewish boy who, pigs, you know, stay away from pigs. Sin took this Jewish boy to work for a Gentile feeding pigs. Do we live and squander what God has given us? Look what this son had. He had everything his father was going to give him. He had it there. And he went. And he squandered it. Do do we squander what God has given us? What about our marriages? What about our jobs? What about uh, our spiritual gifts? What about our personalities? What about the way that God has intricately woven us to be like him? Do we squander that? And just run off and do our own thing? Saying, God, I'm going to live the way that I want to live. We see this this younger son. And I can kind of. See where he's coming from. It's time to go party, right? The simple pleasures of life. Like, let's go. He indulged, didn't he? Could be good for a little while, can't it? You can have fun. I'll tell you this. If you want to live apart from God, go ahead. You'll make some friends along the way until suddenly you have nothing to offer those friends and they're gone. Like, sin for a short time can, can be fun. And then you look up one day, and it's taken you further than you wanted to go. It's made you pay more than you're willing to pay. And it's made you stay longer than you wanted to stay. Sin will do that to our lives. As this son looks up, he's feeding pigs. And he's longing to eat even what the pigs are eating. When you set your eyes, when we set our eyes on the things outside of God's plan for us, and we think that we know better our life will end up like this This boy, this young man. Church, let's keep our eyes focused on Christ. Let's find our identity in him. And let's not waver from that one bit because if we waver from it at all, we're gonna look up and we're gonna be saying, what happened? <laughs> Maybe you and I today need to confess our sins before God and we just need to get up from where we're at. Get up from that pig slop that we're eating. Get up from that place because we're squandering what God has given us. This was a picture really that Jesus was painting, had twofold for us, but it also is a picture of the Old Testament and what happened. It was Israel returning back from exile. The moment they woke up and realized they're in a bad spot far from God and Jesus is giving this parable to these Pharisees because they know this life. They know what's happened to Israel, and he speaks that to us today as well. So this is the younger brother. If you listen to any of the 10,000 passages or or messages on the internet about the prodigal son, you'll hear a lot of people really kind of just beat up this younger guy. And he kind of deserves it a little bit. He's a lot like me, so I would probably deserve to be beat up as well. But there's two other characters, aren't there? There's the character of the father. And let's look at him in verse 20 and 24. I'm going to read this one. In verse 20, the son, as he's longing to eat pig slop, verse 20. So the son got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against, against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servant, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fat and calf, calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and was found. So they began to celebrate. What do you see when you see the heart of this father? For those of us that, that have kids, maybe we can, um, we know a little bit what this is like. For those of us that have lost something very valuable to us and find it, we know a little bit of what this is like. In this culture, in this time, when this was written, it's a, it's a shame to sell the land. It's a shame to abandon the family. So here's his father. His name has been shamed. But yet he sees his son coming back. And he doesn't hold that, does he? In fact, what do we see? We see this father go against all culture because at this time it wasn't dignified for the older to run. And what do we see a father doing who's been shamed? He runs. He runs towards his son. I think we can wrap up the whole heart of God in this passage. We can get a picture of it. We get a vivid picture of what God's love is like for us. In the previous passages, he came and sought after us. He found us. He celebrated. In this passage, he waited for us to return, to repent. Which, by the way, if you'll return to verse 17, I think this is a cool definition for the word repent. Look at the first few words. When he came to his senses, pause. Do you think that's a cool definition for repent? Could be. I like that though. That's what the son did. He came to his senses. He realized, I am far from what my father has for me. He repented. He, he came to his father and his father shows his heart in a vivid way and runs towards him. Hey, church, God is running towards you. God is waiting for you to come to your senses. God is waiting for you. He's sitting there. He's jealous for you as we sung about. He's jealous. He wants your love. He wants your attention. He wants you to wake up and come to your senses and repent and say, God, I need you. I want to surrender control of my life to you. We see the heart of the Father, and it's beautiful. This is the God I serve. It doesn't matter how much pig slop I've eaten It doesn't matter what I've done in my life. He's sitting there waiting for me to repent of that. And he wants to hug me. Not only that, he's running towards me. What kind of image can you put in your mind with that? That's the God that we serve. Let's look at the older brother for a second. Verses 25 through 30. Um... I'm not, I'm not going to read those. I'll let you read them. No, I am going to read them. We haven't read them in a while. Let's read them. Verses 25 through 30. Meanwhile, the older son, who was in the field, when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Verse 27. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Can you underline never disobeyed your orders? We're going to get to that in a second. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. Let's hit pause right there and look at the older brother for a second. This is Jesus and as he's given this parable. This is Jesus, and, and this is his response to his critics. This is his response to the Pharisees in context of this passage. He's speaking to the Pharisees. And we looked at verse, uh, verse 29, never disobeyed your orders. I hope you underline that because you know what that says? That says these Pharisees thought that they were perfect. They were following all the laws. They were worthy. They were self-righteous. They were the bomb. They were it. So we look at Jesus talking to the older son, saying, really, you're all it? You're perfect? You've never broken laws? This is you right here, and he begins to speak. I think it's, just as we look at this passage at large, I think it's pretty um, juvenile of Satan when he does this to us in our lives. Whenever a work of God is moving in us, someone is there barking in the background, Or coming up with rational reasons or naysaying why it can't happen. It can't be done. This is wrong. I mean, look at this parable. Look what's happening. The sun has come back. That's incredible. That's worth celebrating. Yet there's a naysayer, isn't there? The Pharisees. God is doing incredible things at this time in his life as he's teaching. People are being healed. I mean, things are happening all around, but the Pharisees can't see it. They can't be a part of it. In fact, they're the naysayers. Who do you have in your life that's naysaying what God is doing, what the Spirit is doing in your life? We're not here to serve man. We're here to serve God. Church, find your identity in God. Let him give you the marching orders. And when the world around you, even if it's your family, begins to naysay what God is doing in your life, say, I am here to serve God. I found my identity in God and who he is. That's strong. Because in a world around us, there's not a lot of people that are standing for truth passionately and unwavering. They, They were so focused on the wickedness of the tax collectors and the sinners, these Pharisees at this parable, that they were missing the miracles of the people, that their lives were being changed, they were being healed, they were being transformed physically, and they were being transformed emotionally, morally, and spiritually. Every aspect of these people were being changed, yet the Pharisees could not see it. What's God doing in your life right now? And I want to ask you a question. Are you blinded to truth? This older son was blinded to truth. Uh, but. Let's look at the passage here. Verse 27, first two words say, your brother, and that's the father talking to the older son, your brother. Well, look how the older brother responds. If you go to verse 30, but when this son of yours, this is the older brother talking to the father, He's not even acknowledging that he's his brother anymore. He's saying, the father says, this is your brother. And the older brother saying, the son of yours. He's not saying my brother. That would be the appropriate thing to say there, right? And then you get down to verse 32 again. And be glad because this brother of yours, the father again, repeats truth. Like, this is your brother. He's not just my other son. This is your brother. We're family. Look how blinded he is to the simple truth right here. What is Satan doing in your life? How is he blinding you to even simple truth? How is he installing naysayers into your life? How is he taking your identity and making you place it in other things like your athletic abilities or your grades or your 401k or whatever it may be? If we place our identity in anything other than Jesus Christ, we will fail. Congratulations. That's the good news. (laughs) here is the good news. It doesn't matter how many times that we have failed. It doesn't matter how deep our sin has taken us. When we look up, realize where we're at, when we come to our senses, God is there loving, willing to accept us back. Say, son, daughter, I love you. The the Pharisees, well, the son in this passage wasn't forced to go into the party, was he? If we insist on not going into the party, it won't be because God doesn't love us and he's not chasing after us. It's because we're stubborn and we're proud. Church, let's humble ourselves before God. Let's find our identity in him, let's live a life passionately chasing after him. Putting out the naysayers and focusing on truth. I want to point out that the story is unfinished. This parable is not finished. Our next chapter goes on. That's the end. It doesn't say, oh yeah, it had a Disneyland ending. The brothers got together, everything was good. Like, it, didn't say, it doesn't say It leaves us right there. I think that's on purpose. For us, just to ask a couple questions, what role do we find um, ourselves easiestly relating to in these? I can go between all three of these, by the way. The young son... I can even go to the father role where I've run to people and said, I love you even though you've wronged me a thousand times over and and it doesn't matter. I I love you. But I can also find myself in the older son, the self-righteous son. How many of you have grown up in church? Warning, warning. You're not any better than the person that just today has accepted the love of Jesus Christ in their life. No one's perfect. We all need the love Of Jesus Christ. If we choose to stay outside of the party, it's not because God doesn't love us. It's because we're choosing not to walk with him. (laughs) Church, what does that mean to you individually? And what does that mean for us as Church Project? I hope this, if I ever see this, if we're ever doing this at Church Project, let's shut the door. And what I'm talking about is if someone comes in here and they just, you know, smell a little bit or they look a little different, or they're acting a little different and we act like we're better than them or we turn them away, church, let's please shut our doors because we're not living the gospel anymore. Here's a challenge for you. Read that first sign when you first come in on the, on the left. It's long, I know. It's hard to read. It'll make you dizzy. But read it. It puts the gospel right back into picture for our lives. Church, we're here to love people, period. We needed the love, the ultimate love of God, and we need to display that to the world at large. The younger brother comes back from the dead. The older brother thinks that there's nothing wrong with him. Daily, our response should be of humble repentance to our Father. That's the heart of a Father. And that's the Father we have in Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask us in, in this place today um, just to think on this. Just to celebrate this. If you would, just close your eyes. and If you're comfortable with it, just hold your hands out in front of you. Just in a humble stance, just say, God, I receive what you're showing me, what you're teaching me today, and God, I give you my life. Every aspect of it. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your scripture. I thank you for showing us your heart today. God, no matter how far we've run from you, when we turn and come to our senses and come back to you, you're there smiling, saying, Son, saying daughter, oh, I've waited for you, and now it's time to celebrate, it's time to party. Scripture says when one person repents, asks forgiveness of their sin, there's a party in heaven. So I ask you this, the ultimate question is, have you surrendered control of your life to God? Have you said, God, I'm tired of running my own direction. Here's my life. Please put it back together because it's in just pieces right now. God's there. He's welcoming that. He's saying thank you and it's time to celebrate. It's time to party. I want to put the ring back on your finger, the sandals on your feet. I want to kill the fattened calf. It's time to party. I've been waiting for you. I've been jealous of your love. Thank you. And us, when we realize how much God loves us, it's such a joy to repent and say, God, I'm sorry for living a life of my own. I want to line my life with you. And that's the greater picture of things. And we can even break that down to just the moments of today and yesterday. What, what are some things where we've chosen to go our own way? If like we knew God was saying something or instructing something, but we, we chose just to mute that, not hear that, disobey that, go our own way. Maybe even this morning, if that's you in this place, just just say, God, search my heart. Show me these areas. And God, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry I've chosen to go my way, my own way again. God, I repent of that. I ask you to forgive me of that. Please align me with you. I want to look more like you. I want to act more like you. God, please teach me how to do so. God, I'm amazed at the depths of your love and I can't comprehend it. I just, it doesn't make sense to me how excited you are for us. But I'm so thankful for that. Thank you for loving us deeply, pursuing us, chasing after us, and welcoming us. I pray for our church that we would find our identity in you and we would speak that love sing of that love every day of our lives church I want to ask us if we would let's stand continue to worship God in this place we can worship God in in a multiple of ways one maybe God is just putting something on your heart that that you would like prayer for we have cards over on the offering table on your right where you can write down the, that and just say please pray for me in this. Something I'm struggling with or I'd like to talk with someone about this or I'd like to get connected. If, if Whatever it may be you can write that and put that in the offering basket back there. Another way that we, we celebrate and worship who God is just by lining our lives up with Him and one of the ways He says to do that is to give. To give financially. the work that he's doing even here at Church Project. That we can align our resources, our passions, our times, our talents, our entire being together to make a difference in Greeley, To show the people of God, to to show the people God's love. I'm excited to be a part of Church Project and what God is doing here. And then of course, once we realize how much God loves us and how much we need him we can thank him and so as we join together in these last couple worship songs let's do it out of a heart of thanksgiving let's do it out of a heart of just god thank you for forgiving me thank you for loving me and let's worship him together in this place